Pastor's Cut podcast, and this is going to be a little bit of a different one today because this will not only cover one week, it's going to cover two weeks. This is going to be for the week of September 3rd and September 10th as we get into a new teaching series. This is kind of the introductory podcast, uh, and, and I won't get too much into the schedule, but we're going to start this new teaching series on the 10th, and I'm flying solo here today. No Dave, no Marissa. I just wanted to, to have you to myself today, but Brad is here. Brad, say howdy. Howdy. So one of the things uh, that we're going to do on September 3rd is, of course, Labor Day weekend. Uh, Stuart Tilley's going to be preaching that Sunday. He's our student minister. And uh, Brad, you've kind of connected well with Stuart. What do you what do you think of this guy? Who's I nice? like Stuart a lot. He's a brilliant young man who's got a well-grounded faith and a great story behind it and a lovely family, and I think he's the real deal. Yeah, and he's, uh, he's an outdoorsy guy kind of like you. Yeah, yeah. We... You can tell I'm not outdoorsy because I say outdoorsy. outdoorsy. Well, <laughs> thank you for that lovely adjective. I think yeah. that's that's uh, appropriate, though. Yeah. It, it fits him well. Yeah, it does. So he'll be teaching on the 3rd. Then this new teaching series will start on the 10th. And uh, before we get into the meat of it, I'm going to do a, a little bit of a an introduction on that day. But this is what we're going to call the I Believe series. And we're going to walk step by step uh, through this fall, over the course of this fall, through... The Apostles' Creed. Now, I want to just kind of back up and take things from the beginning. First of all, the word creed comes from the Latin credo, which means I believe. And so um, it's interesting, as I taught the Apostles' Creed last year on a Wednesday night, so many times I would have people ask a question, and, and by the way, I do not mind people asking this question, but they would say, now, now, Darren, what do we believe about this? And I would have to say, well, I can tell you what I believe, but the fact that you're asking tells me that you have not yet decided what you believe on this. But let me tell you what I believe. Let me tell you what the Scripture teaches. So a creed is a way of just articulating, here is what I really believe. And belief is beyond mere mental assent. If you want to know what somebody really believes, look at the way they behave. You know, if somebody says, oh, I believe in saving money, but they're throwing their money away right and left. They might believe in the principle, but they're really not believing it in practice and through their behavior. And so a creed is a statement about what we, and more importantly, what I, believe. Now, in specific, uh, specifically, we're going to be walking through the Apostles' Creed. So what is that? Well, the Apostles' Creed, and I'll read it here at our, the end of our time together, it's a written statement that goes back to the early, early church. And so that the name does not deceive, it was not written by the 12 apostles. Okay, and that's actually an, an early legend that each one of the 12 apostles contributed a clause to the creed before they went to the four corners of the earth. That didn't happen. Uh, but what it is, and the reason it's called the Apostles' Creed, is it is a summation of what the apostles taught. So the apostles received truth from Jesus. The apostles then uh, taught the next generation of Jesus' followers. And it was these early Christians that said, before this gets away from us, we need to make sure that we articulate very clearly 
what we believe, and it ties back to the apostles' teaching. And that's why it's very important, and I'm going to use this throughout. We are not teaching the Apostles' Creed. We are teaching the Scripture behind the Apostles' Creed, which happens to be a really good statement of faith. In fact, one writer that I read in preparation for this said the Apostles' Creed basically sums up the New Testament in 100 words. And you think about that. We have this 27 books. There's a lot of content there. Well, if you could sum it up in 100 words, here's pretty much the way to do that. The creed itself uh, dates back to about 150 A.D., so you're looking at about 120 years after Jesus. Now, it doesn't mean it, it didn't exist earlier in some more primitive form, but as it developed and as it was finally written down, it goes all the way back to really that, that first, second, third generation of followers of Jesus. And it was used in a very practical way. The Apostles' Creed was a baptismal proclamation. So what we do in our church, and I think this is very biblical, um, there are many ways to do this, but when somebody's baptized, they're asked to confess, Romans 10, Jesus is Lord. But in the early church, when a person came to Christ, they went through a whole year of learning and discipleship before they would qualify for baptism. And it typically happened on Easter. And if you would just use your imagination here in just a minute, for just a minute, um, the pastor would be standing there with the person in the water and say, what do you believe? And the person would say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And the pastor would immerse that person. And then he would ask him again, what do you believe? And he would say the next part of the creed, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord. And I'll detail that more here in just a moment. He would baptize them again. He'd say a third time, and what do you believe? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints. And then he would immerse them a third time. He would immerse them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so the creed was used as a baptismal confession. Again, driving home the point that this is the core of what we believe. So before I get to some objections, and if you never heard the creed before or never looked at it carefully, there's probably a word I used a minute ago that's going to trigger a little bit of an objection to you, and we'll talk through that here in just a bit. But uh, I think it's important to have a core statement of belief because not all doctrines are created equal. There's so many things we believe as Christians, and not all of them are as important as others. Okay, now, if you want to take notes on this, this might be a good time to take out a a pen and a piece of paper and just jot this down, especially if you're teaching this. I would say that um, doctrines, what we believe about certain items of our faith, can fall into four categories, okay? And just imagine this as an A, B, C, and D, okay? A, the most important things. These are A-list. These are absolutes. These are essentials. These are first-rate doctrines, okay? So you have that A-list. These are the the essentials. Then the second, if you want to say, okay, now this is the B-list. We have second-rate doctrines. These are more, let me back up here. When we talk about absolutes, let me give an example of that. Um, The Trinity. Again, the creed is a Trinitarian formula. 
And so believing that God exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that is an A-list doctrine. That is an absolute of our faith, okay? So then let's go back to the B-list here for just a minute. These are things that are convictions, that they are urgent for the life and the health of a particular church, okay? So on this B-list doctrine, I would put baptism by immersion as being urgent and important for our particular church and for our tradition as well. So um, there are other churches, and I think of a good friend of mine who's a Presbyterian pastor. Um, they baptize in a different mode. They'll baptize infants when they come into the life of a church. So that might cause some separation between our churches because we have different practices and different understandings. But while that causes separation between our churches, it does not need to cause division. And there's a difference. So we appreciate each other's traditions. We appreciate each other's takes on the Bible. But we don't say, well, just because you don't baptize people the way I do, you've lost your salvation. No, because this is not an absolute. Okay. So there's A list, the absolute. There's the B list, which these are convictions or these are the urgent things. Then there's the C list of doctrines. And these things are important to us. Um, but we can give a lot of grace because, you know, a couple of good, well-meaning people can read this, read the same Bible, and come to two very different conclusions on a particular topic, okay? Uh, so here's, here's a couple that I would mention. The millennium. You know, when Jesus returns, how he returns, what, what the events will be surrounding his return. Um, I had a person once get so angry with me because I did not teach her predetermined view of the millennia, and she said, I can no longer be a part of this church that doesn't teach the Bible. Well, what I tried to say very gently is it's not that I'm not teaching the Bible, it's I'm not teaching your interpretation of the Bible. And so I would look at the millennium, the return of Christ, how all that plays out. Now, by the way, I believe Jesus is returning physically, bodily, historically, he will return. But all the events that happen around that really are third rank. They are, they are C doctrines because they might be important to me, but it, you can disagree and it doesn't affect our salvation or our relationship with the Lord, okay? So I'm, I'm reviewing here as I go. So you have A list, these are essential. You have the B list, these are urgent. Uh, you have C-list, these are opinions. And then there are forthright doctrines that I would say uh, are just kind of questions. And so let me give you an example of this. A forthright doctrine would be worship style. Uh, do you use guitars and drums? Do you use organs and choirs? You know, oh man, so many Christians have gotten angry about these issues when they really are, it's the D-list, okay? These things are debatable. So I, I told Brad beforehand... I'm going to give him a little pop quiz. Brad, Brad, you ready? I'm nervous is what I am. <laughs> <laughs> and you should be. This is a pop quiz. In lieu of your personnel review this year. Oh, okay. Well, hey, just this, do this little pop that's quiz. That's a fair trade. That's okay. a fair trade. So, and, and what I'll do is I'll give you a topic and, and say, how would you categorize this? Okay. And by the way, when I did this on a class Wednesday night, I had a lot of people kind of get all over the place. Uh, and that's A, B, fine C, or D list? A, B, C, or D. Okay. So, so I'll it, give you right. the item, and then I'll do a quick review just so you can, you can lock in on it. Okay. So let's say church governance. Do you have elders? Do you have deacons? 
how your church is structured governmentally. Okay, so is that A, absolutely essential? Is that a B list? Yeah, it's important, but, um, you know, it, this is the conviction of our church, and here's the way to do it. Mm-hmm. C would be, hey, it's, it's important, but it's more like, you know, just opinions, or is it fourth-ranked? Is it really not that important at all? I would say it's B. Ding, 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 ding. Good job. Yeah. So let's take uh, the Methodist Church. They have a different church governance than we do. And so we're not going to ask them to change. They're not going to ask us to change. It might cause some um, separation, but it doesn't need to cause division. So, mm-hmm. okay, you're 100% so far. Okay. Oh, oh there's a right and a wrong answer to this? Well, th- this, this is where I've <laughs> categorized these. Okay, oh, so okay. we'll just see how closely you agree with me. All right, okay. Um, let's, uh, let's take this. The inspiration of Scripture, that Scripture is God-breathed and, and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training. That's and righteousness. A. Yeah, it, that's an easy one. So that is absolutely essential. Um, by the way, the Apostles' Creed that I'll read here in just a moment, it never mentions the Bible. It never mentions the view of Scripture that we should have, but it is saturated in Scripture, right? It's, it's a sponge of scriptural truth. Um, let's do one more. Uh, alcohol use among Christians. So is that a first rank? Is that, is that an absolute? Um, second rank is belief. You want my dad's opinion or my opinion? <laughs> both. Let's get both. <laughs> uh, or is it C or is it D? Is it kind of unimportant and debatable? Uh, I, I think it's C or D. Yeah. So what would your dad have said? A. Uh, <laughs> it's an absolute. Christians oh, don't drink. Yeah. Proverbs 31. I have it memorized to this day. So. Yeah, there you go. Which is? Go ahead. Uh, wine is a mocker. Strong drink is raging, and whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. There you go. Your dad is honored today by you remembering that verse. Yes, and I rem- then I would say, but what about that, like six chapters later when it says, let the poor get drunk and remember their sins no more? Oh, man, Brad, and, what? <laughs> and that was just a troublemaker. So. Yeah, and you had, a lot, you had a lot of chores to do after <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, I had to go yeah. feed the cows. So you're right. I would put it as a C or D. Probably I would put it on the D list. It is unimportant to the ultimate presentation of the gospel uh, because we need to remember oftentimes our view of things are more tied to culture than it is mm-hmm. to really what's, what's in the Scripture. I remember the first time I did a revival for a church in the Carolinas, and between Sunday school and church, all the deacons went out and had a smoke break. And they were all smoking. And where I was raised in West Texas, you don't smoke. I mean, that's that's up there with alcohol, right? But then I had to remember... That's hey, where tobacco was from. That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> and so uh, in their scruples... That's like, that's like asking a Texan not to eat barbecue. That's exactly right, yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, Christians uh, kind of feed into that stereotype. You know, Christians in Germany are probably going to enjoy a pint or two, Right. Uh, so these are debatable things. What the Scripture does teach is that we should not use alcohol to excess. And I mm-hmm. think if if uh, we have responsibility over others, um, if we have alcoholism that runs in our family, mm-hmm. if we're overdoing it, those are reasons to say, for me, this is the stance I'm going to take on this. So, and Brad, thank you for playing along with this. This is great, and it's a fun little exercise. So no staff review? No staff review. You're done. Oh, wow. This is awesome. It is. Well, I forgot to clear that with Jeff. Might need to talk to Jeff about that first. (laughs) 
So what the Apostles' Creed does, and while this is not an exhaustive list of the essentials, it's probably about as close as we're going to get, okay? This is, this articulates the absolute essentials of what we believe. And I'm kind of overdue to read it, so let's just read it. And by the way, uh, if you look on our website, it's been there for years and years, under the link that says what we believe, it simply has the Apostles' Creed, uh, because this is the essence of what we believe. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. He rose again on the third day. He ascended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. There's the New Testament. There's the core of our belief in about a hundred words. So let me handle a couple of uh, objections uh, right off the bat. If you were born and raised as a Baptist, you have probably heard this statement. We are not a creedal people. We are a confessional people, and that's true. Over time, Baptists have drafted different statements of faith that are not creeds, but they are confessions. They did that in 1925, 1963, 2000. Uh, it's been updated a little bit here recently, and that, that's always moving as, as a denomination or a group of Christians continue to articulate their faith. Um, so this idea, and I was even told this in seminary, hey, we are not a creedal people. Well, yes, but, but also no. Because we all have things that we, bottom line, believe. Um, if I were to have a creed, I would say Jesus is Lord. That is, that is my personal creed, and that should be if we, we have what we believe about the church, to glorify God in all we do. So we have these statements that crystallize, that clarify the core of what we believe. So I hope you don't let that, that thought, if you're a lifelong Baptist, don't let this stand in the way of you saying, you know what, this is a pretty good historically proven way of articulating the faith. And by the way, the Apostles' Creed is a fantastic way to pray in the morning. You're affirming the truth uh, as we understand it. In fact, Martin Luther said, every Christian ought to memorize the Ten Commandments, the Lord's Prayer, and the Apostles' Creed and use them on a very regular basis. There's going to be a few object objections as we go through as to some particular words. And there's two that always kind of float to the top, uh, that Jesus descended to the dead. What does that mean? So when we get there, we're going to talk about that, but just to give you a Cliff's Note version of this, um, it doesn't say Jesus descended into hell. It says Jesus descended into the dead. We don't have enough of the geography of the afterlife for what happened between Christ's crucifixion and resurrection to make a certain statement. But what the creed is saying here is Jesus really died. He did not just look dead. He did not pretend to be dead. He was not comatose. He was dead. And what that does is that throws the resurrection into even sharper relief. Probably one of the biggest words that will throw people is, I believe in the Holy Spirit and the Holy Catholic Church. So um, it's important here when you read the creed, and I've been accused before of, of saying, are you trying to 
take us in you know, the Catholic direction. The word Catholic, before it was a denomination, was a descriptor. And this is Catholic small c, which the word literally means universal. We believe in one universal church. And to be technical, this creed was finalized in around 150 A.D. The Roman Catholic Church did not exist as we know it until 400 A.D. So there's a significant gap. That word simply means we believe in one church. All the true followers of Christ across time, down through history, that will exist for eternity who confess the lordship um, of Jesus. And so we do believe in that one church, regardless of the denominational labels. Another way of saying this is saying John the Baptist wasn't a Southern Baptist, right? You know, those words mean something different. So what I would encourage you to do is go on our website, uh, download the Apostles' Creed, or just do a screen grab of it. And I would encourage you, just as an exercise as we go into the fall, take the creed and pray it before God every morning. And you can make this very personal, and this is the way that I will, I will end our time here together. But this is a way of articulating your faith to God and then saying, okay, am I just giving mental assent to these things, or do I really believe them? And I think by praying this every day, or at least a couple of times a week, it's going to make this next teaching series so much richer. And so let me pray this over us today. I believe in you, God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. I believe in you, Jesus Christ, God's only Son, my Lord. You were conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. You suffered under Pontius Pilate. You were crucified, you died, you were buried, and you descended to the dead. But on the third day, you rose again, and you ascended into heaven, and you are seated at the right hand of the Father, and you will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Catholic Church. I believe in the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the resurrection of my body, and I believe in the life everlasting. Amen. God bless you today.